Thank you for tuning in to the City Light West Council Bluff Sermon Podcast. We are a church that exists to multiply disciples and churches that is located in Council Bluffs, Iowa. If you want to learn more about our church, visit citylightwestcb.org or follow us on Facebook at City Light West Council Bluffs and Instagram at City Light West CB. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, worship team. That was uh, that was great. Glad you guys were able to uh, lead for us this morning. Uh, thanks, Tobin. Nice having nice having the piano back there as we're praying. I'm like, I might be able to preach with Tobin playing. Not quite sure. We've never done that, but <laughs> all right. How are we doing this morning, Sea Light? Everybody doing good? Good. It's, uh, it's good to be uh, uh, here with you this morning. It's a privilege to, uh, to be here with you this morning. Um, Kenan and I, man, we, uh, we love being uh, your pastors. Um, as I was uh, thinking about this week, uh, Kenan, I don't know if you guys were, the, the, the worship night that we had Friday night was just incredible. And uh, man, yeah, it was absolutely incredible. Kenan put that together. And uh, Kenan's the type of guy that if you spring something on him, it really stresses him out. But if you give him a, a lot of time, man, he, the, the dude can work magic. And uh, that's what he did. I think we've been planning this, what, since July? Something like that. And, uh, man, it was just absolutely incredible. So uh, for, if you weren't here and you missed it, I'm going to let you know you missed something special. Uh, we have those every... Uh, uh, probably two or three times a year. I think the next one that we have scheduled is actually in March. Um, it's not something that you want to miss. It's going to be right before Easter. It's going to be really super awesome. So uh, you can start putting that on your schedule for, for now. But man, it's a privilege uh, to serve as one of your pastors with Ken. And, and um, uh, today uh, I get tasked with the uh, awesome responsibility of finishing up the book of Acts. We've been in the book of Acts since about September and uh, we kind of took those first two or three chapters really slow uh, and then kind of sped up uh, as we got into the end of the book. So today, I get to cover eight chapters. So I hope you, pa- I hope you packed your lunch, um, maybe even dinner, because we're going to be here a little while. I'm just kidding. It's probably not going to be all that long, but we need to get after it. How many of you guys have ever... Uh, been in a tornado or maybe a storm where you thought, I might just die. Anybody? Okay. Um, I've been in a couple of those. My wife has actually been in a tornado. And um, a little over 16 years ago, we lived in a house in Missouri. And uh, we were, it was a Saturday, I believe, and we were doing our things throughout the day. And they had said, you know, there may be some storms that get brewing and come up out of, we lived in southwest uh, uh, Missouri, and there may be some storms that kind of sneak up out of Oklahoma. So just kind of be ready to take shelter if you have to. And uh, that day we had done, you know, number of things outside, hung out with our kids. They were really small at the time, and uh, we... Uh, got into the house, ate our dinner, and started watching some TV. And sure enough, the wind started blowing and storms started coming in. And it, it seemed like it happened in a drop of a hat where things went from kind of like, I think there's a storm coming to, oh my goodness, I think we're going to die today. 
uh, it was really uh, it was really quick. And so uh, the, the wind started blowing. We started hearing the wind blow outside. And uh, before you know it, the sound that you hate to hear, the sound of the tornado siren, started going. You know, and it goes right. And as it comes around, it feels like the thing is just like right outside, but it's probably about a half a mile away. But it's so loud. And so what do I do? Go open the front door. <laughs> nope, there's no tornado here. Eventually, I go inside, and uh, it's starting to get really bad again. And uh, we hunker down in the center of the house because they say the tornado is like right, we're right in the path of this tornado. And we, we grab our kiddos, and we hunker down. You remember this, Cole? Yeah, we hunker down in the main hallway, and... Uh, and man, the wind is just crazy, and it really does sound like a freight train. I don't know what the why that is, but it just you know it sounds like that freight train. And um, before you know it, the the storm had passed, and um, it was quiet. And so we were able to go outside, and fortunately, we didn't suffer any damage. Um, our house was fine. Our cars were okay because the. So the tornado had actually gone over our house and not hit our house. It landed about a quarter mile away or so. And I remember getting up for work the next day and traveling. I had to travel that direction to to see the, uh, you know, to get to work. And uh, I saw the path that the tornado took. And it was a maybe 100 yards wide or so, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less. But it destroyed everything in its path. Like houses, it snapped adult mature trees like they were toothpicks. So fortunately, um, we were not affected by it. But there was devastating power. It, it was impressive, unbelievable power that was, uh, that was in that tornado. And I share that story because it reminds me of how Luke describes the descent of the Holy Spirit on the church. Acts 2 says that the Holy Spirit came on the church like a mighty rushing wind. And the word that is actually used there for mighty rushing wind is like a very, very strong hurricane, tornadic type of wind. The coming of the Holy Spirit, it wasn't some cool, refreshing breeze that gives us, gives us religious vibes. No, it wasn't that. It was a powerful, impressive wind that propelled them to the ends of the earth with the gospel. And today, we're going to see the apostle. We're going to see the apostle Paul finally fulfill fulfill the dream of uh, of getting to the gospel, getting the gospel to Rome, taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. And it was about 3,000 miles from where the Holy Spirit first descended on the church in that upper room. And that's going to bring us to the end of the book of Acts. Sort of. I mean, it's not really the end of what the Holy Spirit wants to do. But it's the end of the recorded book of Acts with the apostles. Because the gospel is always moving forward. Alright? You guys get that? The gospel is always moving forward. And that's what we're going to see today. The gospel doesn't end with P. 
Peter dying. It doesn't end with Paul or anyone else because it's never been about them. It's never been about Peter. It's never been about the apostles. It's never been about Paul. It's never been about those people who are recorded in the book of Acts. It's about what the Holy Spirit wants to do through and with the gospel. Now, in these last few chapters, Luke basically recounts for us Paul's crazy journey into Rome. The journey lasts, I mean, this period lasts maybe, um, Paul's journey lasts maybe four years, from about 58 to 62 AD. And Paul's mission is to multiply disciples and churches. Not just add or increase, but multiply. And not just disciples, but fully devoted followers of Jesus who are obedient to what Jesus has called them to do. And not just disciples, but churches. Churches, not buildings, not gatherings, not a place where people meet, but actual churches. Families who are dedicated to fulfilling the mission that Jesus has called them to do. As qualified teachers and preachers to preach the gospel. That's what a church is. And that was what Paul's mission was, is to multiply disciples and churches. Because that's what it looks like when the gospel is constantly moving forward. You multiply disciples and churches. That was Paul's mission, and it's our mission as well. We want to see the gospel move forward to multiply disciples and churches. And it's a huge mission, isn't it? It's a big deal. And the question comes up, are we going to make it? Is Paul going to make it? Are we going to make it here in City Light West CB? What does it look like for that to happen? Will we accomplish that mission? What's going to get in our way? What are, what's the things that's going to set us back? What's some of those things that's going to discourage us? What's some of those things that maybe knock us off course a little bit? Is there something that's going to sideline us? Those are serious and honest questions. Those just aren't questions for Paul or for our church, but they're also questions for us, right? We each have stuff that we want to do. We each have a mission in some way. It may not be written down in a statement or put on some type of website, but we all have some type of mission that we want to accomplish in life. Nobody in this room wants to um, have their life mean nothing. I know that when I do a funeral, the last thing that person would have wanted me to say is that their life was meaningless, right? We all want our life to mean something some type of ambition, some type of goal. Maybe you want to break that cycle of addiction in your family. Maybe you want to impact kids or teenagers. Maybe you're like me and you just want to learn how to play a new instrument. Who knows? Every mission begs the question, though, is it going to happen? What's going to keep me from accomplishing that mission? What's going to keep us from fulfilling that purpose? So we're going to pick up the story in Acts chapter 23 where we find Paul in prison. Acts chapter 23, verse 11, it says, The following night the Lord stood by him and said, Take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I just kind of think of Paul's life like a highlight reel. Where he's planting churches, he's making disciples, people are coming to know Jesus, he's healing people, he's training elders, he's doing all of these types of things. And we think that that's what Paul's life was all about. But verse 11 reminds us that 
Paul had a setback. Paul had a setback. He experienced a couple of bad days. He was, if you read prior to that, he was beaten up by some religious people. He was rescued by Roman police. He was dragged in front of governmental officials. And then he was thrown in prison. Kind of a bad day at the office, huh? Uh, not, Not one of those days that make you think, I think I want to go do that again tomorrow. But then Jesus visits Paul in prison. And he lets him know that he's not done with him yet. God told Paul that he's going to Rome. And this is huge. This is a big deal. Paul was assured that the gospel is going to move forward. And in that moment, he might be in a prison cell, but before too long, he'd be out and on his way to Rome. That's what Paul got the assurance of when Jesus visited him in there. And you got to understand, see, like, that this was a big deal. Like, this was Paul's dream. This is something Paul had always wanted to do. He, was, his, he has Roman roots. His father was from Rome. He was a Roman citizen. It was something and somewhere he always wanted to go to. He always wanted to go to Rome. About a year before this particular occurrence, Paul is writing a letter to um, believers that are actually in Rome. And in chapter 15, verse 23, he says this. He, have said, he said, I have longed for many years to come to you. So Paul's desire was go to Rome. And now he has the Lord looking at him, standing up up beside him um, and saying, hey, Paul, you're going to get to Rome. That must have been assuring to him, right? And you're going to get to Rome, Paul. Just trust me on this. Just trust me. Paul saw Rome as the gateway to the ends of the earth. He wanted to go there. He'd go to Rome hang out there for a while, and then he would end up trying to go to Spain. That was Paul's goal. That was what he wanted to do. At that time, Spain was the ends of the earth. He wanted to fulfill the Great Commission. He preached in Jerusalem. He preached in uh, the surrounding areas of Jerusalem. He preached to uh, the, uh, all the areas surrounding the Mediterranean Sea. And at that time, the ends of the earth was Spain, and he was bound and determined to preach the gospel in Spain. So, you think, all right, Paul gets released, hops on a ship, however, doesn't catch a plane. But however he goes, he goes there and he makes it, goes directly to Rome. That's how you think the story would go, right? Doesn't go that way. Things actually got much worse for Paul. Some Jewish religious people, they kind of doubled down on their desire to do away with Paul because he, he, he was actually, as he preached, so many people were coming to know Jesus that they were converting from Judaism to Christianity and they felt threatened. They felt that their, their livelihood was being threatened because now nobody would come to the temple. They wanted him dead and they weren't going to stop until that happens. So Paul goes from prison to prison. He gets, he gets put in prison by these, these leaders, um, talking to different leaders, and he basically gets forgotten about for like two years. So you got to understand the context here. The Jewish leaders, um, they reached out um, and told these Roman leaders, these people who were kind of, they were the people in charge, that Paul is raising a ruckus. He's not, he's, he's, he's trying to uh, go against the Roman government. And so they, Roman government said, okay, we're just going to put Paul in prison. 
Paul had been the leader, uh, the lead mover and shaker in the early church for years at this point. He had traveled, he planted churches, he raised up leaders, he preached to some huge crowds. And so you could kind of say that Paul was kind of a big deal. I mean, he was, he was doing some work. And now he's ignored, he's mistreated, he's reduced to this dungeon cell for two years without so much of a, as a, anyone thinking about him. All that right after Jesus told him that his dream of going to Rome was going to be accomplished. You guys ever been there? You ever received what felt like a promise from God immediately followed by setback and suffering? For some of you, this is very real. You've got God-honoring desires, right? There's things that God has placed, uh, dreams that God has given you, visions that God has given you, that you're going to move forward in that. You've got God-honoring desires for your life. You even feel like Jesus has spoken to you clearly about how that fits into his mission. But you're kind of in this holding pattern that's marked by suffering. Right? Similar to what Paul's going through. You didn't get that job that you thought you needed. You weren't invited into the leadership that you feel like maybe you were entitled to. You didn't get accepted into that particular program. Or maybe your girlfriend broke up with you uh, right before you proposed to her. Maybe we got some people in here whose sp- who spouse betrayed you. And you're thinking, God, but you said, you said this was going to happen. You said so. And now I'm stuck here, forgotten mistreated, misunderstood. Anybody there with me? I've been there a time or two. Okay, so that's got to be enough, right? Paul finally gets to Rome. No, (laughs) actually, there's more. Um, Paul's downward spiral isn't done yet. uh, Rome is nowhere in sight and things actually get worse. After two two years in this like forgotten cell, um, Paul goes before a new uh, Roman leader, and he, uh, he appeals, since he's a, um, a, a Roman citizen, he can appeal to take this complaint that's put against him of raising trouble and causing dissension among the, uh, among the Jews. He can actually go and make this appeal to Caesar, since he's a Roman, uh, a Roman citizen. So that's what he does. He goes and he makes his appeal to uh, this guy named Festus. What a name, huh? <laughs> Festus. The only other time I've heard that name was, uh, this is kind of a side note. <laughs> only other time I ever heard that name was um, my grandma called my brother that name. Yeah, Festus. And he hated it. <laughs> so guess what I would do? Every chance I got, Paul became, my brother's name is Paul. He, we called him Festus. And so anyways, enough of that. Um, so, uh, Paul appeals to Caesar, and in in Acts 25, we see that Festus lets Paul go to Caesar. He says, okay, you can go, which means that since uh, uh, he can go to, since Caesar's in Rome, guess where Paul gets to go? Paul gets to go to Rome, right? So Paul, he gets changed to to this Roman guard, um, hops on a full boat of prisoners, and sets sail for Rome. And at first, uh, it's, it's like a cruise on the love boat, right? I mean, it's, 
things are happy, people are drinking their drinks, eating their uh, appetizers, and then all of a sudden, things start getting nasty. The winds pick up, and the storm sets in, and things get worse and worse and worse. It gets so bad that they can't see the sun, they can't see the, the, the shore, and they have no idea where they are. They're hugging the coast, and it takes way longer than they expected. Like days turns into weeks, and weeks turns into months, and they're like, how in the world are we ever going to get to Rome? Things start getting really crazy, and they get caught up into this storm that lasts for days and days. So let's look at Acts 27. It says, neither sun nor stars appeared for many days. No idea how many days that is, but it's a long, long time. And no small tempest lay on us, meaning that's a huge storm. And all hope, this is, I want you to key in on this, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. Thought they were done. Thought they were going to die in the sea. I don't know all the details, but it sounds like a pretty bad situation. I can only imagine. They can't eat. Stuff, they're, they're throwing stuff overboard. I don't know if there were, I mean, Paul's on this ship with lots of other prisoners. I don't know if there's fear that somebody may get thrown over, every man for himself. There are all kinds of fears and emotions going on that boat at, in that moment. But um, I'm not sure what you would do. But if I'm Paul, I'm thinking, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done with this suffering stuff. In fact, I may be even a little bit ticked off at God for putting me in this particular, particular situation. I'm thinking enough is enough, and I've had enough. Amen? Yeah. It's one thing to be stuck in a prison cell, but it's a whole other thing to be put in this particular type of situation. And I'm thinking it's just about time to quit. Throw in the towel. And that promise that I thought I heard uh, in the jail cell was probably some figment of my imagination because I had pizza that night. I mean, I'm thinking I'm done. I'm quitting. Yet, it's in this moment that God chooses once again to visit Paul. Isn't that usually the way it works? Time when you're at your lowest, Holy Spirit gives us a little, gives us a little bit of assurance. This time, um, God does it through an angel. And right in the middle of the storm, during the night, God sends an angel in chapter 27 to remind Paul that he'll make it to Rome. And once again, Paul's encouraged and empowered, and he tells everyone on the boat. He goes uh, from this, this position of, man, maybe he was feeling I'm done. But then in Acts 27, 25, he says, I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. Paul was encouraged and empowered by the angel that visited him to let him know that things are going to be okay. And thankfully, everyone on the ship survives. They get shipwrecked on this, this little island and um, uh, some crazy things happen. Paul gets bitten by a viper and he doesn't die. Um, people get sick and he ends up healing them. Um, he gets mistaken for a god. Um, Sounds weird, but the Bible says it was there, and so it happened. Um, and then after a long, cold winter, 
Paul finally makes it to Rome. So let's look at it in chapter 28. Verse number 14. It says, And so we came to Rome. Now, I don't know about you guys. That just feels like a little understated, doesn't it? (laughs) It's like after all this happened, and Luke says, so we came to Rome. (laughs) If I would have written it, it would have been something like this. We came to Rome through an arrest, a beating, imprisonment, a storm at sea, shipwrecked on an island, viper bites, and lots of healing. We finally made it to Rome. We finally made it to Rome, though we were misunderstood, mistreated, forgotten, lost, left alone, and chained to a guard. We finally made it to Rome. Way back in chapter 23, when Jesus told Paul he would go to Rome, I don't think that Paul had this type of stuff in mind. Paul got to Rome, it's just not the way he thought he was going to get there. Paul got to Rome, but it wasn't easy. Paul got to Rome, but he walked with a limp. Paul got to Rome, but he was bloody and chained. But, guess what? Paul got to Rome, right? So what did he do after he got there? Look at the last two verses in chapter 28. Tim read it for us earlier, but I want to look at them again. It says he lived there two whole years at his own expense. And he welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. So Paul got to Rome. He had to make his appeal once again to see Caesar so that he might gain his freedom. He was chained up until he got that opportunity. All the while he was telling people about Jesus. So what ultimately happens to Paul? Like Acts doesn't tell us, right? Acts kind of leaves it. Those are the last two verses in the book of Acts. And it kind of leaves it as a, as a cliffhanger. We don't really get any information until we read from this guy named John Chrysostom. who was a, He's an ancient historian. And he tells us that Paul eventually got released from Rome. He made it to Spain, was rearrested in Spain, brought back by Nero. And Nero chops his head off, beheads him. Now, why not record all of that? Why didn't Luke feel it necessary to give us a little bit of the history lesson of Paul. Here's what I think. I think this is Luke's way of saying to the Neros of the world, you can kill and you can imprison God's missionaries, but you will never kill the mission. Paul is dead, but the Holy Spirit remains. The missionary is dead, but the mission is still alive. See, like, let me remind you what I said here at the beginning of our, of our time together. The gospel is always moving forward. The gospel is always moving forward. So what does it mean for us today? We're getting ready to wrap up 2022, move into 2023. What does it look like for us? When Kenan and I, when we linked arms to plant this church, Our hope and our vision was that the gospel would move forward into an area of our city 
desperately needs it, right? We believe that we're supposed to make the gospel famous. We want to lead this church to make the gospel famous on the West End. We want to reach people that no one else is reaching. We want to serve people that no one else is serving. So we're going to try some stuff. We're going to do some things, right? Not all of it's going to work. And sometimes we're going to have to back up and dust ourselves off from a good whooping. And realize, okay, that didn't work, but we're going to try something else. We want to see that tornado-like wind that we read about in Acts chapter 2. We want to see that invade and tear people up here on the West End. But we realize that we may have to get on the ship and do some suffering like Paul. Church, we may have to get on the ship and do some suffering like Paul. We may have some of those Acts 2 moments where the Holy Spirit rushes in and blows it up. And we praise God for that mo- those moments. But we may have to get on the ship and do some suffering like Paul. We want thousands of baptisms. I'm, I'd lie if I didn't say that. I want to see thousands of people come to know Jesus on the West End. But we know we may get shipwrecked instead. But listen. We know that whether we succeed or whether we suffer, the gospel is still going to move forward. Guys, that we, as we look at how the gospel has moved, up, moved forward in the West End, we see times that the Holy Spirit has rushed in. Like you guys, some of your lives are testimonies to what Jesus has done. It's testimonies to the Holy Spirit blowing up a room. I think a Christian... Stephen, she was a gal who for years thought that the gospel meant that I just have to perform better. I just have to do enough stuff. I have to do enough things. And she realized this last year, no, man, Jesus loves me in spite of me. I don't have to perform for him. He loves me. He gave his life for me. And it literally changed her life. I think of Chad, who's back there working security. We see the gospel move forward in people like Chad, who knew about God, but never realized all that he had done for him. The gospel is continuing to move forward here in the West End of Council Bluffs. Man, I could tell stories as I look into your guys' faces about how the gospel has moved and impacted people in our church, and it has blown up the room just like we see in Acts chapter 2. But as the gospel moved forward, moves forward, we've We've seen some storms as well, haven't we? People that serve this church without reserve has had some real loss and endured some real pain. It's not all been skittles and rainbows. There's been some suffering. There have been times where we've had to sail through some storms. We feel like all hope is abandoned. But We know that Jesus' life was no easier than ours, right? If there's anyone who was ever on a mission to see the gospel move forward, it was Jesus Christ. It is Jesus Christ. He literally came to change the world. And if there's ever anyone who suffered as the gospel moved forward, it was him. Jesus, he gave up his rights. He gave up his comforts. He gave up his ease by taking on the form of a servant. And becoming obedient, 
even to the point of death. City Light, Jesus has suffered and endured way more than us so that the gospel can move forward. He died in the depths of what felt like disappointment. He died in what seemed like a detour so that we might find him faithful when we're disappointed and detoured. City Light, I believe with all my heart we're going to get to Rome. The gospel will move forward through us. But it may not be the exact route that we expected to take. But I'm confident that in those moments when we're like, I know you're taking us to Rome. And we got to suffer a little bit. And we do a little celebration along the way when we see the Holy Spirit blow up a room. I'm confident that in those moments, we'll see Jesus more sweetly. Our relationship with Him will be much deeper. Our satisfaction in the Holy Spirit will be much greater as we get to experience those things with Him. See, like the gospel continues to move forward. The book of Acts and what the Holy Spirit wants to do, it's not done yet. It's not over. The gospel is moving forward right here in West CB through us. Amen? We're going to enter into a time of communion. And um, I just want to explain what it is. Communion is a reminder of everything that Jesus did for us. When Jesus came and he took on himself the form of, of a man, he lived a perfect life and he died on a cross for us. So we're sinners, right? The Bible says we have sinned, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We, because of his righteousness, we get that righteousness. If we trust that what he did on the cross, he did for us. The Bible said that he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might have the righteousness of God. So if you're here this morning and, and you're like, I just want to thank Jesus for dying for my sin. This is a time where you remember that. So they're going to, somebody's going to take the bread, they're going to rip it from the loaf, and they're going to dip it in some juice, and they're going to say, this is Christ's body broken for you, and his blood shed for you. And if you've trusted that what Jesus Christ did on the cross, he did for you, you can receive that, and you can eat it, and as you taste the sweetness of the grape juice on your tongue, it will remind you of the sweetness of the forgiveness that Jesus has given you. But if you're here this morning and you're like, I don't get this. I'm not sure about all this stuff. It's okay. You can be. It's as easy as ABC. Admit that what Jesus, admit that you're a sinner. Believe that what Jesus Christ did on the cross, he did for you. And then C, commit your life to following him. And if that's where you are this morning, you're like, this message is crystal clear in my head. I understand exactly what's what you're saying to me, Chuck, come and receive communion. But if you've got some questions and you want to talk through them, let's talk through them. We'll be available afterwards. In fact, you know what? Let's just have Teresa and Diane, could you guys be at the back ready to pray with someone? But today, this morning's your time. Either remember and be thankful, or this morning could be the first time where you trust Christ and you give your life to Him. So let's, uh, let's pray and then receive communion. God, you're so good.
We want you to do a work in us. We are so desperate for you to do a work here on the West End of Council Bluffs. We want to see the Holy Spirit blow through this place. Lives be changed. It starts with us. You've changed our life, Father. You've done a work in us. God, we just pray that you do a work through us. We thank you for this time that we can remember all that you've done for us. And so God, we pray, Lord, that today, this week, as we get ready to celebrate all that we're thankful for, that we would first and foremost be thankful for the sacrifice you made on the cross, for the fact that you rose from the dead, proving that you are completely and utterly different than any other person that walked this planet. You're good. Your grace is amazing. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Thank you again for listening. This podcast is not intended to serve as a substitute for gathering with a local body of believers, but as a resource that encourages and empowers you to follow Jesus as your heart is pointed towards the gospel. If you want to learn more about our church, visit citylightwestcb.org.